Can you, like, real quickly, can you just... What? I can't understand what dependent type means. So... I'm going to read this. Actually, maybe you can explain it to me. That'd be good. Dependent type mm-hmm. is is a type of in, is a type of integer, a type of number uh-huh. that is dependent upon another of its type. So seven and seven aren't dependent. Six and seven are because seven has to follow six. Right. Yeah. It's like why was nine afraid of um, seven? Because seven, no, eight, nine. Why, why was ten afraid of six? Afraid of six? Oh, yeah. There's an octal version of that if you want it encoding. Go on. Because 7, 10, 11. I don't get it. Because 8 and 9 don't appear in octal. Oh. Why not? I don't know. Programming! Okay. So, Let's start. Okay, I think so, we have. So, so it depends. It, well, we haven't done, haven't done the intro. Well, you can do an intro and bung it on the front. I'm going to do an intro and bang on the front. Let, let, let's, 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 let's start again and we'll, we'll, we'll go into it. That okay. was literally the funniest stuff I'm going to say all day. Okay. Tell you what. <laughs> Tell you what. Let's, <laughs> let's put the intro in now. Hello and welcome to this month's episode of the Hearty Dice Lectures. My name is Grant Howitt. I'm Chris Taylor. And now we're going to carry on talking about what the hell dependent type programming languages are. We have real problems doing this because we just don't know. Just to explain what the Hearty Dice Lecture series is, um, every month we get a we get a series of topics given to us by our Hearty Dice confidants, um, who back us for a little bit extra per episode, and then we we, we present a brief lecture on them. Unfortunately. Uh, we've picked up we've picked up a few new um, uh, suggestions uh, su- suggestions suggestors suggestists suggestists um, this month and one of the, one of the people a person called Zentan uh, suggested dependent type which is a kind of programming and it makes me want to pull up my hair and eat it <laughs> it is if you don't know any coding whatsoever Hello? really difficult to understand. So from what I could, so from from what we were saying in the in, in in the opening, dependent type means that each of these integer, an integer depends on another integer. Yes, and that so, makes program work. Like like here we go. Here's just a sentence from the Wikipedia page: A function that takes a positive integer n may right. return an array of length n. How much of that sentence did you understand, Grant? From what I can tell, it means that n equals n. No, but it's an array. What's an array? More than one. But it's also... No, I don't fucking... Can we just read out the names of the, of the program, programming languages in funny voices? <laughs> you can if you want. However, I think it's important to, to, to note that there is an excellent bit of RPG stuff in here. Oh, is there? So, the history of dependent type... Mm-hmm. It's, which is in 1934, Haskell Curry, mm. which is the name of somebody who's going to end the world in some fashion. Haskell Curry. Notice that types of the, the types used in typed lambda calculus, mm. and its combinatory logic counterpart followed the same pattern axioms in propositional logic. Go on. I I don't think I want to. 
you, you, you just like saying the words. I love sound, saying yeah. the words, and that's and that's that's the that's the role playing thing. That's the role playing part. Like that seems like the beginning of a Call of Cthulhu scenario. Mm, yeah, very or like a mage scenario. Yes, not the beginning of a mage character. <laughs> yes. One of the headings in this Wikipedia uh, article is um, "Systems of the Lambda Cube." Which is, and then goes on to use a load of symbols that I don't understand, including one of which, which is just an upside down but capitalized A. Hank Barendrecht developed the Lambda Cube as a means of classifying type systems along with three axes the Axe of Torment, the Axe of Destruction, and the Axe of Salvation. That's not what it says. Okay, yeah, that's fine, I get it. Yeah, yeah I mean, like, everything up until I started naming the axes is correct. Yes. I mean, there's there's a comparison of languages here that involve Twelfth and Xanadu. I don't think I want to go into Hank Barendrecht's Lambda Cube. No, no. Have you seen, have you ever seen the horror film Cube? Yeah, I have actually. Yeah, it's that. Oh really? <laughs> but with but with axes rather than acids. Yeah. <laughs> Very similar. Here's where he got the idea from. So there are. Uh, I think my favourite thing about these name about these languages is the names. And I think that maybe we should pretend that they are NPCs and assign them voices as we as we read them. We're going to go through um, each one in turn and assign them assign them a name and a character trait. Are you ready? Okay, I'll let you go first so that I can work out which list of names you're doing. Um, it's comparison of languages with dependent types. It's the blue. Uh, so it's, it's the green and red. Um, okay. Uh, uh, table. Yep. Button. Yep. Okay. Hmm, Agda's here, and I've got a duck in my bustle. <laughs> it's a duck bustler. <laughs> That's the class, yes. <laughs> the par- his paradigm is purely functional. There's nothing decorative about Agda. No. No, very, very much by the numbers, girl, me. Oh, my. This one's just, this one's just letters, not a word. Yes. It can't be a robot. My name is ATS. I am Personality Void. There you go, see? I depend on static terms. Do not move. <laughs> Alright, I, I like the third one. You can do the third one, I'm sure. KN. KN. She's purely functional, too. <laughs> I can depend on any term, darling. Mm-hmm. I got some um, question marks in my areas. <laughs> I don't understand this table. Don't unfortunately, understand this table. unfortunately, I'm no longer being actively developed. Oh, Ken, <laughs> it's cool. I had my day. <laughs> it's cool. Would anyone care for some old-time lemonade <laughs> made in the shade and stirred with a spade? Good enough for any old maid. What? I'm not drinking that, Drek. <laughs> You've put a spade in that, you weird, weird it's creature. It's a Tennessee Williams quote, you philistine. That's fine. You brute! I, I'd never heard of it before. Nor okay. ever, do I think I've ever read any Tennessee Williams. Oh, it's very good. I'm sure it is. Um, This one's just called Cock. Yeah, this, uh, and that is purely functional. I hope. <laughs> I hope, lass. Um, I've given you a really hard one. <laughs> I didn't read this. <laughs> Sorry, I'll say that one in the accent. <laughs> I I cannot do a voice for this. 
Okay, we'll just pick out one that you like. That's Guru. 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 Mm. Guru. So many hear... of these are purely functional. I hear you've been extracted from Caraway. <laughs> yes. Perhaps, like, perhaps you make extractions from Caraway seeds to give to your um, students. What, you mean drug my students? Yes. Uh, yes. Um... We also have, shall I just knock through the rest of the list? Real I think quick? you should, yeah. Mm-hmm. Matita, Sage, Twelfth, and Xanadu. I like Twelfth. I'm two elves. <laughs> Xanadu is imperative. Xanadu. It's, it's like the only information we have about Xanadu. It's not actually developed. It's imperative, whatever the fuck that means. And ev- everything else in this table is a question mark. <laughs> It's so mysterious. It makes KN look positively defined. <laughs> so I think I think what I don't know anything about this, Graham. I think what we've learned. Can we stop? I think what we've learned Yeah. Is that neither of us know anything about maths. Oh god, so little. I don't know or care. Um we're so bad. I'm very sorry. Mm. But we're so bad at maths. Like the thing I don't like about maths is that there is one right answer, and I'm sure that you'll get up to the, like someone will say, "Oh, actually, there's lots of right answers." Once you get into complicated enough maths, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about one plus three, that sort of shit. Yeah, you can't be like, you know what? Today it's five because I feel that's more interesting, which is why I'm a writer. Yeah, because we don't have to have correct answers. You well, technically, you write the rules, so you you should have correct answers. Yes. Yes. That's, let's move prob- on to that's the probability. Topic. That's fine. That's fine. It's not really maths. That's probability and statistics. They are separate to mathematics. Yeah, that always confused me. Why is that? <laughs> Aren't they all maths? No. St- statistics is just counting. Oh, uh, right. Oh, I see now. Um, next up, we have chemtrails. Yeah, chemtrails, this... chemtrails are important to know about. This was sent in by Stephen. Mm-hmm. Chemtrails are very important to know about. Go on. I'll let you take the lead on this one. Because the, the, the basic theory... I, I, I say, of course, theory. I mean revolution of fact. Yes. Um, is that there are chemicals in the trails left behind by planes mm-hmm. as they go over our heads mm-hmm. that in some way are negative. Mm. I think the chemicals are very positive. Do you? Yes. That's what my theory. That's my what theory. do you think they're doing? I think what they're doing is is very gently uh, moisturising our hair. That would be. I would explain why my hair's been moister. Right. I think it's. I think. I think what they're doing is they're spraying conditioner. <laughs> it's really thick conditioner. Yeah. Uh, well, over large swathes of the countryside. Atomising conditioner. Well, no. I think it's a tourism thing. Oh, okay. So it's like it's it's, it's almost like they're like Darren Browning. It's coming back. Yeah, and. Yeah. Oh, do you remember that time? We, remember that time that we were in, in? Well, you see, here's the problem: planes are everywhere. Yes, but there's different brands. So, so like, for instance, oh, when I you're see, when right. you're in the south of France, everything smells a little bit like melon. Oh, that's nice. Just Some of that herbal essence is shit. Yeah, and it's it's kind of you know different oil ratios, etc., for different yeah, things. Yeah, cool. So, for instance, round around the sort of northern America area, mm-hmm. it's very much targeted for the pH balance of bears. Uh, well, you want to have a conditioned bear, don't you? So, so they look all fluffy and wonderful, so yeah. that their tourism industry increases. Yeah. And they get more... You can't see the gesture, but I'm doing the money gesture. 
Oh, right, yeah, you're, you're, you're rubbing your um, thumb and forefinger together. I am indeed, together. yes. Yeah. Yes. I think that the planes are doing farts. Think I think that's the real conspiracy here. The, the planes are, in fact, alive, and you're entombed inside their metal rib cages. Pretty much. I mean, come on. And they're they're ma- suffering from indigestion, and thus. What makes sense to doing you? Doing a toot. What makes sense to you? The fact that you get into a giant tube which is propelled around the Earth at breakneck speeds, or it's a dragon. Hmm? You're right. Right? And so that's just that's just big old dragon farts hanging in the sky. Why do they hang in the sky? Because um, in my version, they're moisturising the clouds, and that's fine. That's just science. They're, moisturize, they're moisturising the clouds. Yeah, that's they're, a really... they're making them fluffier. That's, that's just nice, fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You've got to prove yours. Your madcap idea they're farts. Um, methane makes them float. Methane is, is lighter than air. I see. And so, is it? <laughs> Just say yes. yes. Because I need, to, I need to hear what's next in this theory. Um, and so, well, so they float. The air gets thin. And you know how, like, when you pour cocktails out and then balance the liquids of different density on top of one another? Yeah. I say when you. Neither you nor I are ever that bothered enough to do that. No. You know when you pour out cocktails and you just pour straight vodka into a glass that maybe had ice in it last week? And then you drink the vodka and have a mm. little cry. Some nights, if I'm feeling special. Yeah. No, it's like, it's, it's, it's a different density, and so the dragon farts stay on that level. And, yeah, that's what I think it is. So, I do have one question here. Please, go on. Um, and this is, this is obviously primarily because it's coming out the back end of a dragon. Mm-hmm. Methane is highly flammable. Mm-hmm. Is this not incredibly dangerous? Yes. I see. Why do you think they don't let you have bonfires in public parks anymore? I just thought it was the risk of everything catching on fire. It is, yeah, but it's the methane. Public parks, wide open spaces. You get a lot of you get a lot of uh, chemtrails across there. Yep. Um, that that that'll burn the sky up. But... Some Game of Thrones shit right there. <laughs> and yet, I can have a. A, a fire in my garden just fine yeah it's fine okay yeah I'm glad you asked that question though thanks can we move on to the next one because we I think we just pissed this one off a tree <laughs> <laughs> the next question mm-hmm. is what's your favourite episode of Red Dwarf and it's you've really just written easy. here by DLB yes that's the that's the acronym that they gave me okay this is from patron DLB uh, the, my favourite episode of Red Dwarf, and therefore the best one, is Gunman of the Apocalypse. See, the worst part Chris, of this... Chris, what's your favourite episode of Red Dwarf? I, I think you're 100% right, because I think uh, it is legitimately the best episode of Red it's, Dwarf. It's so good. It's so finely crafted. It has it has character arcs. Yep. And I think I think for me, like unlike a lot of Red Dwarf episodes, I think for me the, th- the thing which um, which gets me so like I think it's maybe not the best written. I think like some some of the best writing comes in like the like season three, season four. Um, it's like by that point they've like they're it doesn't feel like they're in improv terms gagging. They're not trying to tell jokes. They're letting it arise out of the characters being in in, in, a, in a constrained space. Yeah. And it's really funny, and I love the interplay of Rimmer and Cat. Blah blah. blah. Uh, sorry, uh, Rimmer and Lister. But the the thing about kind of the apocalypse is it was part of the I think the first season of Red Dwarf that I watched when it was on telly live, as it were. You know, when it was being right, released. Yeah. Um, so I'd come home from Scouts or Beavers or whatever it was, Aww. Cubs, 
uh, and I would sit. I remember. I have such a vivid. I have such a vivid memory of this. I would come back from. Um, I'm gonna say, Cubs. Come back from Cubs, and I would have a have slight a, a big a, t- two slices of white bread with butter and marmite on, and watch Red Dwarf on Thursday nights. That's lovely. And it was lovely, and I remember. And like, I really liked the theme tune. I liked the way it was about sci-fi, and I liked how it was funny and a bit rude, but not so rude. I wasn't allowed to watch it. Yep, crucial. But but Gunman of the Apocalypse was about video games. Was the, the, the thing I cared about most of all at that, that time in, in my life, and it was about. Uh, it, it was it was it was almost like fan fiction. In like, what if these characters you like got to play a video game which you also like? Yes, and that really did it for me. I think I think for me it's that the jokes were just straight better, mm. and a lot of them worked really well because Crichton had amnesia, so he could then explain how he remembered other characters. <laughs> so like he describes he describes Lister, he goes yes it's coming back to me, I'm getting I'm getting curry I'm getting lager I'm getting early morning breath that can cut through bank vaults, <laughs> and like that's that's a wonderful description. And like when he's talking about Roman, she goes, "I'm getting smeg. He, <laughs> smeg. Do you mean smeghead? Yes, that's it. He remembers me. I um, I, I do. Actually, I do actually want to want to briefly pop in. So the the best sequence in in all of Red Dwarf is another better than life one, which is where they have the car chase. Yes, in which they clearly couldn't afford to film a car chase. So, like, they they have the setup of them in this kind of cool-looking, like, neo-noir-style detective thing where they're meeting in this car park, and then they all get in a car, and then rather than rather than have them do a do a car chase, they just film the four of them sitting on seats reacting to things that happen in their minds. Jake Bullet, cybernautics. That's traffic control. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, I love it. I, I think that the fact that there's only really a couple of. Um, Episodes where they go off into the into the B-tail, um other world means that they that they they sing they they stand out. Yeah, and I think you could have, like it could have been really weak. They could have they could have done it a lot. Well, also like a lot of people hold up backwards as a good episode, and I think that's a hot shit sandwich. I think there are certain points in that that are very very clever. It's a joke, which they try to do for a whole episode. Yes, but that's what I mean. Like, there's some points yeah. where that joke lands. Yeah, and then there's the rest of the episode. Anyway, we're we're very much like I just I just got a, a talking of alternate universes. I just got a window into an alternate universe where you and I record a Red Dwarf podcast every week, and it's a bad universe. <laughs> I think it's the greatest universe that could possibly be. We just go through the entire series episode by episode, hour long each, so longer than the actual episode. Discuss it, it, and then we do it all over again. And then and then and, and then we and then we just perform them. <laughs> <laughs> like, but again, um, an hour. We, we we fill in character uh, holes and and plot yeah. holes, and <laughs> we we write in our own um, material. Yeah. Um. Did, did you ever listen to the audiobooks of Red Dwarf? Uh. Yes. It had it had Craig Shell doing all the voices. He's not bad. <laughs> he's not good enough. <laughs> but he's not yeah. bad. Yeah. Like I guess like when you have to voice Cat, you make a decision, <laughs> and you have to stick to that. Yeah. Yeah, you've very much gone all in. Mm. Um, on the subject of podcasts, um, there's, there's one just started up. It's called um, it's called something like One Hot Minute. But what it is, it is a minute-by-minute minute analysis of the film Heat. 
That is so hot. It's a. I can't. I can't imagine liking anything that much. <laughs> you know. No, but I can see why it exists. Well, I, I suppose so. That's not. <laughs> like I'm. I'm seriously considering doing that for Red Dwarf now. Oh, don't, that's not as finely made. <laughs> you <laughs> don't know. Minute. You haven't minute heard my minute. analysis. <laughs> Are you going to do a different minute, like episode analysis on the theme tune every week? <laughs> <laughs> yes. When they say it's cold outside, there's no kind of atmosphere. Do you think that's allegorical or literal? Well, I think both actually. I think it's literal. Because mm. outside is space. Right, but also it's allegorical because it refers to Lister being trapped as the last living human. Yes, but I think the song is very literal. All oh, right, I can see. I can see. Maybe this isn't the best podcast to go to. <laughs> the next question is well, question. The extra topic is the Fermi paradox. Right. This is this is interesting. It is. I like the Fermi paradox. Unlike dependently typed programming, which is interesting <laughs> to someone, uh, to somebody smarter than us. The Fermi paradox is the idea that we haven't found that intelligent life hasn't found us yet, and that seems strange because there are an infinite number of planets in the universe. There are therefore an infinite number of suns, like our sun, and an infinite number of sorry, not not therefore there are infinite number of stars, and therefore there are an infinite number of planets like our Earth, which may, which must be capable of supporting life in some way. Therefore, those seeing as they have existed basically forever. Then we they must have somehow developed interstellar travel, and they must have somehow been able to scan for other for other life forms and then find us, which makes it seem strange that no one's found us yet. I think that's the, that's the crux of the paradox. Do you agree, Chris? Yes, I mean the 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 man who who found it, Enrico Fermi, mm. did a book. Where is everybody? <laughs> Uh, which I think sums it up really, really well. Like, where? No, seriously though. Given all this, where is everyone? I like the alternate argument from Douglas Adams, which is there are an infinite number of planets in the universe. Um, if there, if there is an infinite number of planets, then there must be a finite number of them containing um, intelligent life. Yeah. Infinity div- uh, divided by a finite number of any scale is close enough to zero as to make no odds. Therefore, any intelligent life you find in the universe is incorrect. Yes, it's a fluke of statistics. It's an aberration, yes. which I I really support. I very much prefer that that we that we shouldn't have happened. Yeah, you know. Um, I think I, that was the other the the, the, the other counter argument to this is that they develop the hollow deck and then just stay at home. Yes, well, I I think there's there's another thing like that. Like to get to to get to the hollow deck. Yeah. You, you're brushing against technology that's that's space travel worthy. Like you're oh, yeah. you're getting to the same sort of tech level. Oh, okay. Well, in in terms of four um, X games, yeah, in t- yeah. In terms of your civilization, yeah, that's in the same sort of tech level, right? Right. Okay. So let's assume that they do have space travel. Mm-hmm. What that would be like coming to Earth would be very much like you or I going to the Jorvik Center. Hmm. And looking at animatronic Vikings mm-hmm. in a very bad setting, right? It's like okay, going. So... It's like going to a Tudor village to have a bit of a walk round. I think it would be like discovering a Tudor village if you didn't know Tudors existed. But I think I think it would be like considering that we're looking at billions and billions of years 
because the because the infant of a planet potentially yeah. a, a civilization that is billions of years older than ours. Mm-hmm. I think when you're looking at it, it's like what what are these what are these awful things? Mm. Oh, they don't That's... even move right. Oh, they look oh they look so fake. Oh, they're made out of meat. Oh, oh, let's... they're putting more meat inside themselves. Oh, let's oh. not, darling. Let's not. Let's go past. They're trying to wash the windows. <laughs> oh, let's. No, keep... no, thank you. No, thank you. No, no, no thank you. No, don't no, want no. It. Thank you. Oh, I hate going past Earth. Oh, you got a quid. Yes, we'll take a bottle of water. Thank you. Oh, Throw it away. Don't drink it. Don't drink it. Don't drink Jarvis, don't drink, don't drink it. You don't know where they've been. Don't give it to the space dog. Space woof? <laughs> you can just go woof, you're a dog. Nope. Space dog. Sorry, woof squared. <laughs> woof cubed. Wow. Mm. I um I think that it implies a um a curiosity on races other than us. That perhaps they don't give a shit. Yeah. Perhaps they don't want to explore. But I think that any sort of argument I bring against this is against a man who has a paradox named after him and is therefore probably smarter than me. Yeah, certainly more important. Certainly, until I get that paradox. (laughs) One day. (laughs) But yeah, um, he also... uh, there was also the so, uh, there was there was also the idea um, that the uh, the zoo paradox sorry sorry the zoo hypothesis and the idea is that um, they do exist but they haven't they have they don't let us know that they've that they've made contact yet yeah so they're, like, they're they're watching and studying yeah in the same in the same way that like well I guess it's actually very similar to when um, scientists go out on safari and tag something. Yeah. Like like a lion, and then just never see it again. I would explain where this tag came from. My leg. Mm-hmm. So they, they 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 come down the dead of night. They tag traditionally rednecks, mm-hmm. um, just because they're easy to catch, I guess. Well, I mean, I mean, like from a from a purely infrastructural view, there's there's much less in the way of police and security cameras out there. Yep. Although they do have guns. Yes, maybe guns don't work against aliens. That's true. Maybe they love guns. Maybe mm, bullets. That's mm. what we eat in space. Mm, <laughs> nom, nom, you nom, just nom. made me taller. A um, <laughs> little bit fast, but I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> and then they bugger off and watch through like an interstellar one-way mirror. Right, yeah, 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 I see. And there's like countless documentaries about us and cute pictures of us are posted on forums everywhere. <laughs> oh, look at the stubby legs on this one. <laughs> look at its stupid hat. Do you support the, the the heart paradox? Sorry, the Fermi paradox. I think it makes some sense, mm. but I think I'm going with mine. Like, if there are aliens, why on earth would they come here? <laughs> like, there's got it to be should... like there's an infinite number of planets. There's one planet that's just made out of bouncy castles. That's true. I mean, there has to be, right? Right. If it's an infinite number, I then mean, everything has already happened. You can't even get a good coffee most days on Earth. Exactly. It's a nightmare. Yeah. All right. Good. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> I don't think I'd want to be an alien. No. I think that would weird me out a bit. Especially if they come like trying to fit in. They've just replicated your fashion sense. Oh, I'd love that. But no, but they've really pulled it off. Oh, that would be bad. What they've done it better than me. Yep. It's a bit like occasionally, like occasionally, I'll, I'll walk into town and there's a real sort of um. 
heartbreaking moment. I'll be walking through Shoreditch or, you know, down near Old Street, that sort of way, and you see some guy walking past, and I'm just like, oh, that's the evolved version of me, isn't it? <laughs> that's yeah. a Pokemon from a newer generation. That's my... That's my... Gyarados. <laughs> the, oh, the legendary version of you. Yeah, well, like, it's just... It's like... like you just see people. Oh, they, they've just... They've just obviously got more levels in this than me. Yeah. Well, I mean... That's always kind of heartbreaking. On that subject... Yeah. That is literally our next subject... Ah, nice lead. Thank you. Which is fashion. Mm-hmm. Sent in by Sean. Sent in by Sean. Sean Smith. Um, but it's fashion with two hearts around it, mm-hmm. which I, I'm endlessly pleased by. I think if you want to submit a question to us, if you put two hearts around it, that will greatly increase the odds of us answering it. <laughs> but we'll always answer it. Yeah. Regardless. But we'll be happier if there's two hearts. That's true. One heart for each of us. Oh, for us hearty dose friends. Oh, hey, he went. Nice, there. nice. Yep. Um, I, I think fashion is difficult, and I prefer style. Okay. Because style, if so, I would argue I have a style. You do. It is different not, from my style. Yes, we both have styles. Neither of us are fashionable. No. Fashion implies research and awareness. Certainly awareness, yeah. Being being up to date with current trends. Precisely. The fashion. A la mode, as the French say. Yep. I don't know, that just means with, with ice cream, doesn't it? A la carte. That, mm, close enough. A la Peugeot. Um, a la Din. I like Aladdin's big trousers. Why didn't he find Alright, that's enough. Um, I did a football joke, Grant. Not really. What? He's he, he a footballer. Named, you named a footballer who, like, from from the nineties. Yes. Alan Which coincidentally, Shura. when my Al- style was born. Alan Shearer, who doesn't move his mouth when he speaks at all. Presumably because he was kicked by a horse. <laughs> when I was young, his dad took us down horse market, <laughs> and he he made us all get kicked in the mouth by a horse. What the fuck is that accent? That's terrible. I don't know. That was really weird. It seems racist, but not to a race I'm aware of. <laughs> Either way, you're very sorry. I think style is crucial. I think that having a style which you can which you can fit to it makes shopping it makes shopping easier. It makes you more recognisable, and it means that you can. I, I, I discovered fashion. I discovered I, dis- I discovered the idea of having a style when I was it'd be about three years ago, four years ago. I I moved to Australia and we we, we suddenly started hanging out with some friends who had style as opposed to most of the people who I knew, which were either game developers or other nerds. Yeah, who wear clothes. Yeah, who just wear clothes. Like, a lot of people uh, dress a lot like you. Yeah. Which is a t-shirt with something fun on it, a checked shirt, and trousers? Sure, they're just trousers. Yeah, I I used to go for jeans, rather than than your, your, your brown corduroys. Yeah. You enjoy a brown corduroy. I do love a brown corduroy. What's the deal with corduroy? I don't like the weird leg patterns I get off it. I don't know. I I enjoy those leg patterns, and also I enjoy <laughs> I, I enjoy I like, earth tones. I like running marbles down them. <laughs> <laughs> Screwball scramble. Mm. <laughs> I um and so I learned about this, and it kind of gave me something to do because I'm not interested in a great many things aside from games. Um, there was a. It was kind of an eye-opening um, situation when I realised that I didn't have any friends who weren't into games because I couldn't talk to anyone about anything that wasn't fucking games. Yeah. Uh, I don't read books. I barely watch films. 
I don't have any. I don't. I don't play sports. I don't really have any hobbies. I cook, but in kind of a lackluster. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm quite good, but I don't like doing it. <laughs> and so fashion just let me have something to look at on the internet and be like, oh, that's nice. Oh, I might buy that. Oh, I might save up for that. And it gave me something to look forward to. Yeah, but I think I think style has a lot yeah. to do with house income. Oh my god, yeah. Like, for instance, I won't buy any item of clothing that costs more than nine pounds. It does show. Yeah, because I can't. I don't have that kind of money. Plus, you have to get your clothes from the tent shop, don't you? Is that a tall joke, Grant? Uh, yeah. <laughs> As opposed to a fat joke. I don't make fat jokes. I make tall jokes. Okay. No, Grant, I buy it from normal shops for normal you, people. No, you don't. <laughs> yes, I do. You tried to buy a suit yesterday, they didn't have one. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you had to go to the special place for tall boys. I did have to go to the special place for tall boys and walk through the door marked hideous monster. <laughs> that, was, that was great. This was as big and tall. I'm afraid we can't count it to you. You want to go to the fucking behemoth store we have down the road? Yeah. You're six for eight, so you have a lot of benefits in life. Uh, like? Reaching things. For other people. Great fun. Or for yourself. I never put anything up that high. Hiding things. Your head has developed natural calluses from being banged off so many ceilings. Yep, that's definitely a bonus. You've also developed quick reflexes from not... I've, actually, you know what? I've never seen you walk into a ceiling. No, I'm very good at it. Yeah, so like, like you're... I, I walk into door frames all the time because I'm 6'2". Like, I'm, I'm in that awkward middle ground. Yeah. <laughs> Point is, you, you get a lot of benefits in life, and so the fact that you have to buy your clothes from a camping equipment shop is, I think, fair recompense. I see. Household income is definitely a thing. Yeah. And I think one of the things which I always used to note when I was watching, um, I used to, we, we used to watch My Super Sweet 16. God, yes. What well, a show. Because I, I love me some Daily Hate. Yeah. And you can, and like, it's really, it's rare I find a situation where I can uncomplicatedly hate a 16 year old girl. Yep. But it did it. Who oh boy, did they pull it off. Yep. When he's like, um, well, I'm not, I'm not accepting that car you got me. It's the wrong colour. And yeah. I don't like that particular brand of CD player. <laughs> Fuck you! It was. It wasn't even that petty. Sorry, it wasn't even that 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 uh, that decent. Yeah. Uh, an excuse. The reason why one of the girls gave, I should think, was the one one of the ones we watched together, was that her mum gave it to her three days early and ruined her birthday. Oh yes. And she was furious. She was livid. I said, I said, what? I love. I, I, I love. It. I love watching it. And like, unfortunately, there's no comeuppance at the end of the thing. But like, no, there's no bit where she gets hit by that car. The girls on that show always looked incredible. Like, they always looked like... Like, everyone on that show was super, like, super well-presented and super attractive. Mm-hmm. And I remember being like, when I was growing up, no one looked like that. We all looked like fucking spots. And the thing is, it's money. Yeah. I hadn't realised. But, like, um, they had that special kind of puberty, which is called money. Yep. Where and they can like, make it all go away with money. And- and like it's it's not just in terms of um like you know a plastic surgery and that sort of thing which is, I mean some people get that but just in terms of being able to afford clothes which fit your body yeah in a nice way and to, and, and and to be able to like to afford to be able to practice with makeup yeah it's, um, for makeup to be a disposable thing rather than yeah for sure rather something than you need to go on, I've got three of these that's I've saved it. up and bought this lipstick this is the one lipstick I have I'm going to use it once a week maybe yeah um. 
and so once once we started once as a household we started earning a bit more money I will admit I developed a shoe problem <laughs> yeah but like, I, you, you don't have a shoe condition hey listen to me listen to me listen to me I buy one set of boots a year yep I don't have lots of different pairs of boots that I have. It's not like I have a room full of boots. I buy one pair of boots and I wear the fuck out of them. Yep. Unfortunately, those boots are not cheap. No, Grant. I also I also buy one pair of shoes a year. Yeah. And they're at the, and they're twenty pounds. Well, how many compliments have you received on your shoes? Literally none. They're twenty pound shoes. Mm. And they're the same shoes I wore yesterday. I had a woman compliment my shoes while she was searching my bag That's... on Tuesday, so there you go. Why was she searching your bag? I don't know. No, I was going, I was going into a museum. I was going okay, to a cool. portrait gallery. She, she was like, I'm quite envious of your shoes. And I still don't know how to take compliments, so I was like, uh, yes, they're very fancy, aren't they? And sort of ran. Yes, they're better than yours. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Things like, I don't, I don't spend a lot of money on a lot of things. No. Honestly. Um, so one of like one of the things which I spend money on. So a lot of people like like, like they back Kickstarters, yeah. Or like they'll buy um, like um, mo- like model armies, or um, or they'll go on expensive holidays. And I spend a lots of money on boots, and that's what I do. Yeah. And I think that your continual boot shaming is an issue. So your my continual boot shaming is an issue, but your go through the behemoth door of buying clothes not a problem. No, the, you don't have a door, mate. They just let you in through the roof. Yeah, you see, yeah. that's that's legit fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that obviously fashion is linked to money, but I think like it, it's a bit a bit like being able to um, a bit like being able to cook really well with no money. That's that's the mark of style. In like like anyone can make a nice meal from brilliant ingredients as long as you don't fuck it up too badly. Yeah. But if you can get really shitty ingredients and make it taste good, that's that's the mark of skill. That's yeah. what I feel proud of. That's when a, I, that's when, not when a I skill a I have. Meal. Sorry. What what to what to um what to cook or look good? Both. Oh, okay. Hey, you, you make a, you make a serviceable bean soup. That is true, and that is genuinely a nice thing. <laughs> what is bean soup, Chris? For those at home. Bean soup is a way of making baked beans palatable. There's nothing wrong with baked beans. You you fry up some onions and some garlic, uh-huh. make them make them really soft. Yeah. And you stick in a load of beans from a baked bean can, uh-huh. um, and then you add or, a tiny or bit. Tube. Of, or tube. No, no, they come from a can. I'm sorry. Carry on. Um, and then you add a bit of cheese, and it thickens. Mm. And it's genuinely delicious. You add all sorts of stuff in there, chorizo. I said that wrong. Chorizo? Yeah. How do you say it? Chorizo. Chorizo. That stuff. Yeah. Um, A bit of chilli paste. All sorts of stuff. Chris Chris once invented walking cheese. Travelling cheese. Travelling cheese. Which is the cheese you eat from the walk between the kitchen to the sofa. Yep. Now I don't eat cheese. Yeah. So. Have you replaced it with anything? Is it vaping? No. (laughs) No, that's that's what I replace cigarettes with. Mm-hmm. Well, good. I think we. I think we've. We, I think this is definitely the least informative lecture episode we've delivered so far. That does not surprise me. They're going to get worse every time. I really. I, you know what? I really hope they can ask us some more questions. Like they ask us to talk about things we're at least vaguely skilled at. That would be. That would be cool. The Red Dwarf one we were quite knowledgeable on. I quite. That was quite. It I did some funny. quotes directly from the episode. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. Um, 
All right. Thank you for listening. Um, we love you. We love you, especially the five of you who paid for this episode, but also anyone who's listening to this episode. Yeah. And we will um, we will be with you again this time next month for another lecture. So please get thinking on those on those topics, and uh, we'll, we'll also be with you um, every Monday. Because that's just how we do. That's how we roll. Goodbye. Goodbye.